The MHI Industry Leadership Podcast brings together the solutions, providers, and thought leaders of the materials handling industry to talk about trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices to move the industry forward. Christian Dow is the Executive Vice President of Membership and Industry Leadership at MHI. In each episode, Christian will be talking to the leaders and members of MHI's industry groups. Let's join him now. Welcome to the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Today, we have a special episode focused on the latest industry wave of fully automated material movement. With the unprecedented purchase and installation of systems such as AGVs and AMRs, this growth is fueled by more capable sensors that make today's mobile vehicles safer and more productive than ever before. Joining us today are two distinguished guests who are experts in the field. We have Mark Longacre, a member of the Mobile Automation Group and Senior Strategist for Market Development at JBT, a leading provider of automated material handling solutions. And with us is Brian Sellers, who is the industry manager for robotics at SICK Incorporated, a renowned manufacturer of safe sensors and safety systems. Mark and Brian will enlighten us on the most common sensors found on automated vehicles and how they enhance vehicle performance. Welcome, gentlemen. Mark, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. I, I've spent uh, most of my career, and, and it's been been right at 25 years now. You know, listening to customers and uh, developing solutions for them using mobile automation. And um, I've also then been very active in dis- different industry groups. You know, trying to trying to reach out um, to to customers and and help educate them on on how mobile automation can help them. And uh, I've done that as a, a two-time chairman of the uh, AGVS group and, and mobile automation group, and then various other, other different uh, different committees. Welcome. Brian, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Christian, for having me on. Um, yeah, I am um, in the marketing side of SICK Incorporated um, as far as mobile robots are concerned. So... Yeah, I've been here for about 11 years or so, been in the industry for 25 plus. That's hard to believe and even harder to, to say in here. Um, but but yeah, so we've we've done a lot in this in this market. Um, you know, companies like JVT that, that Mark worked for, um, you know, they really uh, bring us in and you know, we're we're happy to work with them uh, as far as helping them uh, make their bots more efficient, making them you know, safe to, to move and work and operate around human counterparts. And, uh, and yeah, it's really great to be here today. Welcome. So before we dive into the questions, as you know, Mark, you mentioned the mobile automation group, which is one of the 18 industry groups within MHI. And, and you mentioned also the AGVs group. Can you tell us a little bit about the, you know, the change from AGVs a few years ago to, uh, to to rename it as mobile automation and what the group currently does. Yeah, sure, sure, Kristen. Um, so uh, about three three years ago, uh, we really did a, a you know reflective look at, at who we were as the uh, AGVS product section uh, with MHI, and we looked at, at you know what's going on around us, what new technologies being developed, uh, what new solutions are are out there. And um, what what we found is that you know 
we wanted to be more inclusive of other technology that, that that's out there. And uh, th- there were there were some some new uh, mobile automation equipment that was being introduced. Um, there was automatic guided carts. There's you know um, autonomous mobile robots, a- AMRs, and and we wanted to include those those companies who made that type of equipment in our group. And so we, we rebranded ourselves as the mobile automation group. And we, we um, include companies from, from all different technologies now. Excellent. Well, thank you for that. Appreciate that. Um, so let's dive in. This is a topic that's very interesting to me. I have, uh, for those, you, you know, the two of you probably don't know this. Uh, I spent a lot of time in in sensors in my career. I, I actually worked for two sensor manufacturers, um, probably spent 12-ish years working directly for sensor manufacturers. So this is definitely uh, something that I'm that I, I have a lot of interest in, in history with. So I'm really interested in it, but I never really sold them or worked with mobile automation. Uh, you know, I, I guess at, at some point we worked with AGVs way back when, but it was very little. There wasn't many th- things going on way back then. So can you tell me, Mark, a little bit about how sensors are used in mobile automation vehicles today? Yeah, I, I appreciate your, your passion for the industry. I, there's a lot of us that that have it, and it's it's infectious. I, I sometimes say it's uh, the industry is like uh, an incurable disease. Once Once you get in, you, you don't ever want to want to leave it. It's exciting technology, and 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 sensor technology really holds the key um, for fully automating material movement. Um, you know, as a vehicle builder, uh, JVT, we look to sensors to provide that critical feedback for us in how the vehicles relate to their environment, and and it's an ever changing environment. Um, sensors provide us that frequent update that we need to allow us to control our movements and also control the movements of, of the loads we may be carrying. Ryan, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so the three things that we really get involved with, and to kind of uh, echo Mark's, Mark's statements, our, our sensors give eyes to the bot. That's, that's really what we're, what we're there for. That's our, that's our bread and butter. And the three main categories we would say are navigation and positioning, letting it know where it's at. And by it, I mean the bot, letting it know where it's at, um, and letting it know how to get to where it needs to be. The next one is environmental perception, and that has safety in it. So am I going to hit a person? Am I going to hit a shelf? Am I going to hit a column? You know, that kind of stuff is is paramount, you know, to, again, to make sure that these, these bots are safe around their human coworkers. And then load handling, you know, what are these things carrying? Are they carrying pallets? Are they carrying totes? We make sure that the bot knows that it's got a, it's got a tote. It's got a pallet, maybe even where to, to put this pallet, you know, using track and trace, RFID, uh, barcoding, things like that. So, again, when you're talking about efficiency and you're talking about how to make these bots more efficient and make sure that they're doing the jobs that they were ultimately designed and bought for, we make sure or help make sure that the uh, that the bot is doing that and, and ultimately making sure that the customer is getting, you know, the most out of their investment. Mark, did you have more to add to the uh, kind of the the why of of sensors? Yeah, as as far as what types, yeah, I total, totally agree with Brian. We have the uh, the navigation type sensors, we have the obstacle detection type sensors, you know, and and we have um, 
you know, the third category of sensors, which is making sure the load's in a safe position, um, you know, as we're manipulating it or, or moving it. I'd add a, a, maybe a fourth category of sensors and because and, all those are really mounted right on the vehicle. And I'd add a fourth category to just, just call them external sensors. And, and those are different sensors that, that might be around the facility that help uh, facilitate material movement. It, it might tell us when a load's ready to be moved. Um, so give us a, a call, hey, we're ready to move, move materials. Um, some of those sensors may also uh, allow us to, to move through the facility maybe sensors that, that you know, actuate roll-up doors or, or move lifts or elevators. Um, so, so those sensors all, all play, a, play a role for, for mobile automation too. Yeah, that's a good point, Mark. A lot of those are in the environment itself, you know, in, like you're saying, in the warehouse. I'm, I'm wanting to make sure that when my bot gets to a certain position, like you said, it maybe rolls up a door or it, um, you know, does some other kind of, like, like, I would say like material calling, like in other words, we see a lot in the manufacturing side of where you have a station that's, that's, you know, being put to use to build a certain part. That part is made of two or three sub, sub parts. When I'm out of, you know, sub part one, I need to make a call back to the warehouse or whatever to get more of that part in order to continue my, my production. And so now we're seeing sensors being implemented into that side, that that side of the business to say, all right, I need to get more products in order to continue to make this one core product. And so now I've got a bot that's rolling up, delivering a roller top full of a crate of you know widgets that's going to ultimately be be made and uh, as a part of this this you know part that's being built in this in this um, this cell. So we're seeing a lot of that as well, just on the manufacturing side that we're, you know, we're starting to to really kind of move into not only the warehouse logistics space and, and mobile automation, but then also in the manufacturing floor as well. So are there differences in how sensors are used on, on the different types of equipment, whether it's AGVs, AMRs, or, you know, other types of mobile equipment? Yeah, so traditionally, and and people will argue this back and forth, um, and I, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, I, I think there are standard answers that are kind of understood, and at least the way that we approach the market. Um, for an AGV, an AGV traditionally has been something that has had a dedicated movement path, we'll call it. Uh, in other words, I am using laser navigation to make sure that I am, you know, sticking to this path as I move through the, through the facility. I may be following a magnetic tape um, to where now I've got, a, if you will, a track that I'm following. I could be reading barcodes that are on the floor. I could be reading RFID tags that are embedded into the floor, but it's all around a set path. If something were to get in the way of that AGV, the AGV sensors, which are probably going to be your safety LIDAR, it's going to tell that AGV to stop. Now, if someone sets a crate there or someone walks in the walks in the path of AGD, AGV, it doesn't matter. It's still going to stop. Um, the difference is it's going to stay still until that object has been moved. An AMR, an autonomous mobile robot, they are designed to not have any um, 
we'll call it guidance products or guidance uh, solutions in the environment other than the environment itself. So in other words, I don't have a tape to follow. I'm using maybe LIDAR navigation, position, localization to tell that bot where it is in its environment. If something then were to get in its way, an AMR, an autonomous mobile robot, is going to figure out a way around that object and continue on its path. So that's really kind of where we're seeing it's 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 not really necessarily um, this, the, the technology is still there for an AGV versus an AMR. It's just how they're being used. The, the LIDAR, the safety LIDAR uh, and all that on an AMR is still telling the bot when to stop when someone gets in its way. But it's um, it's using that data. So it's like Industry 4.0. It's, it's using that data in order to create a new path around the uh, around the objects when it's when it's trying to continue on its way. Mark, do you have anything to add to that? Yes, I, I, I always try to be really, really careful with, with terminology because there, there's no universal set of terms that everyone has adopted. Um, and, and we are in, a, in a, an industry that is, is so quickly changing. Um, yeah, traditionally, AGVs have, have, have followed you know, more of a, I'll just say, a predefined path. And uh, and AMRs, correct, uh, you know, plot their own path more or less to their destination. But but I think we're seeing a lot of graying of of those definitions. We're seeing what traditionally were AGVs sometimes um, go off the path, maybe to to do a pick, uh, you know, a pick up a load. Um, so they're they're on that predefined path through the facility. But then when they go to do you know, a pickup of a product, they can uh, sense the actual product with, with either some imaging technology or, or additional sensors. And then they go off the path to actually actually do that, that, that pick. And then um, AMRs often in a facility may have a certain area where for safety reasons, they want to stay on, on a path. They don't want to just have, have more random movement. Um, so they'll, they'll have some, some preferred paths. And, and so you, you see that that graying of technology, and 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 none of the companies are going to stop. We're get, we're going to you know SICK is going to keep developing better sensors, and and we're going to keep a, applying those sensors. And uh, you know you're you're going to see AGVs doing some more AMR like things, and and AMRs doing some some AGVs. So yeah, th- those terms we use, um, it, it I I think it will continue to get gray as we as we you know, improve technology. Have you heard the term IMR? Yeah. 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 um, So there's a new term that's being kind of thrown out there called an IMR, industrial mobile robot. And a lot of the people that sit on the standards boards for like ANSI B56.5, the RIA-1508, they're very specific when it comes to an AGV versus an AMR. Even now they're calling them IMRs, industrial mobile robot. You know, I, I think the the lines between all those three are are very much blurry, um, and it, it is because of the growth that the market is seeing. People need more out of the investments that they're making, and so you know, OEMs like JBT are are filling those gaps where you know they it may not be traditionally what they've done a, a type of activity, a type of task that they need to do. But because the market is demanding it, 
they're happy to oblige. And it's, you know, it's, it's giving, it's giving a lot of these bots more capabilities than they've maybe never had before. Brian, when you say industrial mobile robot, what is the, where are they separating an AGV and AMR versus an industrial mobile robot? What are they, what's the differentiator that, that, that separates that one out from the other two? Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know exactly, Christian. It's, I don't know if it's more or less because these bots are used in industry versus a, a commercial aspect, like a last mile delivery bot, um, pharmaceutical delivery bot, where they're not necessarily used in, I would guess, manufacturing industry. I don't know exactly. There's, there's smarter people than me that sit on these, sit on these, these, these standards committees and they've determined that IMR should be the, the the nomenclature moving forward. So the term IMR is uh, used in one of the safety standards, uh, R15.08, that, that came out in, in 2000. And uh, right, it refers to industrial mobile robot. And and I think the, the, the clarification there is just that these and, and really, they're AMRs. These autonomous mobile robots are being used in industrial applications. So um, that that's that's really, I think, the the clarification that they're making. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so you, you both of you have been talking about the standards, or kind of rolling the standards into the conversation. But you know, we covered, we just kind of glossed over ANSI B56.5, RIA 15.08. And uh, we haven't mentioned the ISO uh, 3691-4 2020. um, Mark, do you want to kind of dive into what do those standards uh, relate to? And, you know, you know, where, where are those applied? Yeah. Yeah. Those are, are the key ones that, that we JBT look at. Um, there, there are there are literally those hundreds of safety standards that are referenced by by each of those. Um, so so that tree grows very very quickly. But but those are the three main ones um, you would want to look at. Uh, you know, as, as as a customer or or you know a, a stakeholder interested in this industry. And and yeah, ANSI B fifty six point five. It came out in twenty nineteen. I'd say it's the it's the grandfather of them all. It, it's been around since I think the 1960s or, or 70s, you know, a long, long time, a, a, lo- a lot of revisions. Um, it's traditionally been the uh, the AGV standard. You know, there's two main sections in it. The, the first is is guidelines for users. So if, if you're somebody who's, who's purchased one of these systems, it has, you know, a bunch of guidelines that you should be following. And then um, the second large part is for a system supplier or a manufacturer. So if you're an, an integrator who's, who's put in one of these systems or you've manufactured one of these systems, it gives you some guidelines on, on what your uh, vehicles and, and what your system should, should do. Um, so that's B56.5. Um, there's, a, there's a newer standard that came out, um, R15.08, that we, we mentioned before. And and that really uh, focuses on on these industrial mobile robots, um, IMRs, of, of which uh, uh, AMRs, <laughs> autonomous mobile robots, are 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 part of. And uh, yeah, um, really, I think just part one, to the best of my knowledge, just part one 
of the R15.08 has, has been released so far. They're working on a part two right now, I think. But part one um, relates to the uh, suppliers and, and really, you know, looks at, you know, what are the, the potential hazardous areas in the industrial environment that an IMR can operate in? And, and then, you know, how can you uh, eliminate or, or mitigate or reduce those risks associated with any of those hazards? So that's kind of what, what R15.08 focuses on. Now, now, both of those standards are really just, just guidelines. Um, they're, they're really not mandatory. They're, they're just a, a, set of, uh, a set of guidelines that um, very uh, smart and knowledgeable people in the industry feel that companies should follow. Um, the ISO standard is, is, is a little different. Um, you know, ISO, Christian, uh, you mentioned it, 3691-4 came out in 2020. And, uh, and that um, really is, is, is uh, focused on, uh, on uh, Europe. And, and it um, really gives mandatory standards uh, for industrial trucks uh, and driverless industrial trucks in, in Europe. So, uh, you know, when, when you're uh, delivering a system into Europe, it, it really needs to meet that 3691-4. Brian, any thoughts on standards as far as, you know, the, the three that we've mentioned or others that might be important? Yeah, to follow up with, with what Mark was saying specifically about 1508, he's right. Number one, or the first the first group of that is out. Um, the second the second part of that, I believe, is soon to come out and they're already working on the third part. Another thing that that standards groups are going to have to start looking at for mobile robots is getting away from the idea that all mobile robots are only on wheels. We are starting to see uh, bipedal and quadrupedal mobile robots that are out there that are being used in industry that there are no standards around, uh, specifically from a uh, safety standpoint. You know, when when you hit the e-stop on a JBT bot, it's going to stop. It's, it will just, you know, power down. It's it's not moving anymore. With a pedal robot, if you hit the e-stop on it, it collapses. And so now you're starting to figure out, okay, well, does that create a hazard? You know, potentially you've got a hundred pound um, pile of, of metal that's falling on someone's toe potentially. So they're, you know, these, these groups are going to have to start, and I believe they are beginning to start to look at these idea of not all mobile robots are going to be on on wheels and they're going to have to figure out how to keep these things safe again when you're working around uh, human coworkers. So be looking for that. I know those guys are going to be working on, on that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't envy them, quite frankly, because I think there's a lot to be to be kind of digested there and to, and to figure out a, a good path forward. Yeah. So. Brian, what are some of the newer developments in sensors and, and how have they improved mobile automation? Yeah, so it's it's really, there's so many improvements that have been made through the years. I've been working with uh, AGV companies since about 2004 uh, is when I started working with them personally. I know they've been around longer than that, but I've been personally working with them now for for uh, I guess going on 20 years. Wow, again, can't believe I'm saying that. Um, 
And I just see a lot of improvements with the sensor technology as far as something as, as basic as LIDAR. LIDAR has been around for a long, long time. But, you know, the LIDAR technology that was being used, again, 20 years ago, the basics of the LIDAR technology is different now. It's more robust. It's not as susceptible to sunlight, to fog to snow rain it can be used outdoors there's there's things like that that the technology itself has just made the the sensors more more robust in an effort to a keep them more safe but b keep them more productive we don't want to have the false trips and the nuisance trips that you know keep these these robots from moving i've heard several customers tell me the robots aren't making money for me unless they're moving and so that kind of stuff you're, you're going to continue to see more robust technology around that. But um, other ways, you know, just navigation, knowing where it's at in a, in a facility, knowing how to dodge any un, unforeseen obstacles that may come in its path, uh, be it a person or be it, you know, someone sets a, a pallet of something down in its path, uh, knowing how to get around that safely and, and you know, quickly. Um, Things like, you know, if I've got a bot that's moving at a certain speed, maybe my safety range needs to be longer because it's going to take longer for that bot to stop versus if I'm moving at a smaller speed. So now what we can do is we can take the, the speed input from the, from the bot using an encoder or something else that's telling it how fast it's going. And now I'm giving it a longer range of safety because I need more, more room to stop versus if I slow down, I need a shorter room. What if I'm turned to the left or to the right? I can use another encoder uh, input to tell me, you know, if I'm turning left or if I'm turning right, and I can actually shift those fields to look left or to look right wherever I'm, um, you know, wherever I'm aimed. Again, this is all in an effort to just keep these things more efficient and to keep these things moving because, again, you know, the bot's not making money unless it's moving. And so we want to make sure that it's, you know, we're, we're minimizing those, um, those false trips. And now you're starting to see things like 3D safety. Um, you know, instead of a 2D planar uh, LIDAR safety field, now we're starting to look more at 3D. And we're saying, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see when someone's in front of me, I can detect their legs. But what if I need to detect their arms or their heads, or maybe there's some sort of overhanging obstacle like a like a you know a crane hook or something that's sitting out off of a shelf? I want to make sure that my bot can see up there as well. And so we're starting to see a lot with this 3D uh, movement that's getting to this 3D human safe type of uh, type of deal. 3D sensors have been around for a while. But the fact that we're now making these um, able to, you know, they have, you know, PLB, PLC level uh, safety. Now we can start looking at that kind of uh, technology to, again, make these things not even more safe, but just to make them more efficient. We need to keep these things moving. Mark, any thoughts on, you know, either adding to what Brian talked about or, or talking about some of the new things that you're seeing in the in the sensor world relating to mobile automation? Yeah, we're, we're one of the nice beneficiaries of uh, the new sensor technology and advancements in sensor technology. You know, as a, as a vehicle and system builder, it, it allows us to uh, 
approach projects that, that we just couldn't do before. And it, and it may have been uh, some technology limits that we had before, um, you know, or, or it could have been productivity limits that, that we had before where we just weren't productive enough. Um, you know, now, you know, sensors can see farther, uh, safety sensors can see farther so we can operate faster, uh, safely. And it increases our productivity and, and all of a sudden projects that, you know, didn't have a good business case before now, now have it, um, you know, or, or, you know, imaging technology, we, we can see loads now, we can uh, create uh, software to detect pallet uh, pockets, work pockets, and, uh, and go in, you know, in, in those pockets with, with our forks, you know, very quickly. So, you know, all that's related to, to sensor technology. And, and yeah, in, in, in my career, we're just, we're able to do things that we just couldn't do before. Ryan, I see you shaking your head. Any, any additional thoughts to that? Because there's a, obviously with the processing speeds getting faster, you know, you can do a lot more time things in real time, right? That and, and sensors become a lot more valuable because you can actually use the data that you're getting, the more data, like you're talking about 3D sensors and things like that. Well, if you couldn't right. process the data while you're moving it, you know, at, at high speeds for, for AMR speeds, then they wouldn't be valuable. But now that you can and make quick decisions, then that makes things a lot more usable, right? Right. And what what we're seeing, I mean, and I actually use that as a as an example of industry 4.0. We've all heard industry 4.0, industrial Ethernet, inter, Internet of Things, whatever you want to call it. Um, people always say, well, what is it? What's an actual use case of it working? I would say the example that I gave of using encoder input to alter the safety fields of your safety scanners. The fact that you're taking all, all, inter, all Internet 4.0, I'm sorry, Industry 4.0, all that is is just big data. I'm just using data more, more for, my, for my productivity. I'm telling if I, if I had a, a safety field in front of my bot that was, we'll call it five feet, five feet by five feet, you know, just for, for sake of our argument. If I'm always having that same field, I could detect. I could pick up things that aren't even in my path if I'm turning left or right, but because my field never changes, I, I don't. I don't have that. I don't have that luxury of being able to to maybe dodge these these false trips, these nuisance trips. Being able to shift my fields left or right based on the way I'm pointing. Being able to extend the field because I'm moving faster and I need a. a a greater area to stop, a longer distance to stop versus I'm moving slower so I can pull these, you know, these safety fields in a little bit. That all is just, it's just enhancing productivity because now I'm, I'm, I don't need to sense so far out if I'm moving at half the speed. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the phrases we've coined is safe productivity. You know, a lot of people think that safety is just, oh, it's just a way to keep a machine from, from working. You can actually use that. It, you know, think about it in the opposite sense. We're we're still maintaining safety, but now we're we're using to to Mark's point, we're using better better technology and new ways to use this technology to maintain productivity while keeping your machine safe. And so it's, I mean, it's and, and that's going to continue to change, right? I mean, we're going to continue to see 
innovations in this market that's that's really going to make everybody, I think, more efficient from from start to finish. And I, I really do think that you know people will be able to apply these types of uh, solutions, AMR, AGV type solutions, in places that they've maybe ne- maybe never thought about applying them before. And I think that's great for the whole industry. Mark, do you have anything to to add to that? I I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. I think I think, I think, I that's think a, we had we had it. Yeah, I think that was a great uh, the example for Industry 4.0 and how it applies to mobile automation. I think is a is a great place to to kind of wrap up here. Mm-hmm. And so so that brings us to the end of this insightful episode on sensors and their impact on mobile automation. We hope you've gained valuable knowledge from our discussion with Mark Longinker from J- JBT and Brian Sellers from SICK. If you want to dive deeper into the world of mobile automation and explore the latest advancements in the field, I encourage you to visit the Mobile Automation Group page on mhi.org slash mag. There you'll find a wealth of resources, articles, industry insights to further enhance your understanding of this exciting technology. Thank you one, thank you both again for coming and, and for all the listeners for tuning in. We'll be back soon with more engaging conversations and thought-provoking topics from the realm of material handling and logistics. Thank you for joining the MHI Industry Leadership Podcast. Join us next time to learn more about the trends, technologies, solutions, and best practices that are moving the industry forward.